So when's the next one y'all going to sing? <laughs> well, we got a good crowd today. Welcome, everybody. If you're visiting with us, you are our honored guest. Now, I'm going to tell you right from the start that I'm probably going to step on some toes today, so just get used to it, get ready for it. But this is a a message that God's laid on my heart, and I believe it'll dig deeply into our hearts. But there may be some here today that I think it will especially speak to. There's some here today who need to make a decision, whether for salvation or maybe to get your life more closer with God. I, I don't know what the situation is, or maybe looking for a church home. I, I don't know what it is. But this is an unusual passage we're fixing to read, Second Samuel chapter 14, verses 28 through 33. And it has a story that just really speaks to us if you'll let it. If you would stand with me as we read this passage again, Second Samuel chapter 14, verses eight, uh, 28 uh, through 33. Give you a moment to get there. It's in the Old Testament, page 482 in my Bible, so if that helps you any. <coughs> I didn't think it would, but anyway, what's going on here is that Absalom was David's son in the Old Testament. He had murdered his own brother for raping his sister. Now, I know David is revered as one of the greatest kings that ever lived. Even this day over in Israel, that still he's the greatest king. But let me tell you something. As far as his family life, he was a total failure. I mean, he was a mess up. His family was, you think your family's bad, his family was bad. And just all kinds of chaos. So keep that in mind as we read this passage. Again, Second Samuel chapter 14, verses 28 through 33. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face, his father's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said, Absalom said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there, growing barley. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered and said, Joab, look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, go, that I may send you to the king, his father, to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be still there. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face, but if there is, any, if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. Now, this is son talking about the father now. So Joab went to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then he kissed, the king kissed Absalom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this passage you've given us. And Lord, sometimes we don't grasp what's being said in the Old Testament and how important it is to us today. But I believe with all of my heart as I stand here today, this is a very important passage. Not because I'm speaking it, because you spoke it. And it needs to dig into our hearts to see where we're at and how we are as Christians today. Even as our church, it needs to speak to us. Go with us over these next few moments. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Again, this message, I believe there's some today that it will speak to or perhaps has already spoke to. Whether it be for salvation or just to get your life more closely in line with God, I don't know what the need is. You're here this morning. We've got visitors with us. I have no idea what each one's here for, but I believe God wants to speak to us. Absalom was David's son. Again, he had murdered his own brother, Absalom had, for raping his sister. He had not seen his father for over five years, and he wanted to go to his father and see if it was still going to have him killed if he saw him again. He's trying to patch things up, in other words. He calls for Joab to go to his father to see if it's all right for him to come and speak to his father, but Joab doesn't come. Okay. He calls a second time for Joab to go to his father, but he doesn't respond again. Finally, in order to get Joab's attention, he tells his servants, go into Joab's field, a barley field, a wheat field, kind of field, and set it on fire. That's pretty drastic. They do. And guess what happened? Oh, Joab comes running to Absalom this time. What are you doing to me? That's my field. That's my livelihood. That's our money coming in. What do you think you're doing? Joab says, what are you doing at this place? He says, this is my income. This is the most important thing in my life other than my family to me. What do you think you're doing setting my field on fire, burning it to the ground? His income, his security, his wealth, if you will. When he set his field on fire, Absalom got his uh, uh, Absalom got his attention, and he got what he wanted. Remember, all he wanted was this guy to come and go to his dad, King David, and talk to him and ask him, is it all right if Absalom comes to you and tries to make this up, make up? They'd had a big rift in their family. And he said that's all he wanted to do is go talk to him and see if it's all right for him to come because the king has said if he sees him again, he's going to kill him. This is his own son now, remember? And so he's sending this man, to Joab, to talk to his dad and ask him, is it all right if my, your son comes and talks to you, Absalom? And this is how he finally got his attention. He did that. This is a lesson that everyone in this room could learn from. You say, well, how does that have anything to do with me? That's many, many, many years ago. I don't have a barley field. I don't have something like that. But, oh, you do. Every one of us do. I want to tell you something. If God cannot get your attention through the normal ways, don't you think that he might set our barley field on fire? Now, let me ask you, what is your barley field to you? What does that mean? I mean, it was a little barley field to Absalom. But what he's saying here is think about the most, let's just say five most precious things in your life. It may be your job. It may be your spouse. It may be your kids. It may be your uh, vehicle you drive or whatever. That, that may be the most important thing in your life. And here's the message this morning. If God can't get your attention any other way, he can burn your barley field. He did it here. You say, well, what's my barley field? I don't know. You've got to think about that. Think about what you would consider the most important thing in your life. It may be a job. It may be a vehicle. It may be a house, a place you live, or whatever it could be. And God's saying, if I can't get your attention, 
that way I'll do this. I'll burn your barley field down. Now, on the outcast, that sounds almost cruel to do. But let me share with you. The Bible says God is willing to do it. That's how seriously that God looks at our commitment in being a Christian. Got awful quiet, didn't it? God wants each and every one of us that it calls themselves a child of God. He wants us to be serious about that. As a church, He wants us to be serious about it. He's given us things to do. Number one, reach out in this community and reach people. Tell them about Jesus. If we're not doing that, we better be careful. That might be our barley field as a church. And He could just decide to destroy it. He gave His Son to die on a cross for each and every one of us. He paid a tremendous price, and I believe with every fiber in my body that God expects us to honor Him by being faithful to what He calls us to, and to Him for that matter, and to His church. God expects us to be faithful. Let me show you four areas where I believe that God will not hesitate, if he has to, to burn our barley field down. Now remember, barley fields, whatever it is to you, what it is to me may be something totally different. But to you, what is most important in your life? Think of the four or five most important things in your life. Oh, my kids will be at the number one. My spouse will be at the number one. Oh, I've got a beautiful home. You know, that's what I treasure. It could be anything. What is important to you today? Think of the four or five things just off the top of your head that come to mind. Each one of you know what they are. I I don't need to know. I know what they are in my life. Let me show you four areas where I believe God will most definitely burn your barley field if he has to. Number one, service unoffered. In the area of service unoffered. God will burn your barley field. Now, remember, now if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you. But if you're a child of God, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you're trying to serve God, this is a message for you today. In area, in an area of service unoffered, God will burn your barley field. Every church I've ever been associated with has the same problem. Some ought to be in the music department, choir. Praise team, singing. Oh, I can't do that. Now, I know some really can't do that, <laughs> but a lot of them can. So just wherever you fit in there. Some ought to be in the music department of this church, singing to lift up the congregation on Sunday mornings. You're not doing it. Some of you ought to be perhaps teaching or helping in a Sunday school class. You're not doing it. Be careful. If God needs to get your attention, he knows how to do it. Isn't it strange that we have time for the Rotary Club or the Lions Club or Little League Baseball and all the other things that go on, but when it comes to serving in the local church, a lot of times, well, I'm just too busy. Let me tell you something. If you're too busy to serve in a God-serving church, God can fix your life so you've got plenty of time to serve in it. In other words, he can burn your barley field down. You say, God wouldn't do that to me. He did it to Absalom. 
Don't think for a minute he couldn't. Let me tell you, as important as Little League Baseball and uh, Women's Club and so many other things are good things by themselves. I'm not knocking them all. My kids played baseball. I played baseball coming up. I loved it. But back then, the teams didn't practice on Sunday and Wednesdays. I mean, they just didn't do it, it was, at least where we was from anyway. But it, if it's more important to do that than it is to your, your duty in God's church, be careful. That's clear, thin ice. There's nothing wrong with those activities. Just be careful. You ought to still be supporting the church. Nothing is as important as a minimal task in a soul-winning church. Nothing. And we have people all the time saying, well, excuse me, but I just can't help in that because it's that time of year and I've got other obligations. Be careful. God can burn your barley field. Folks, when you have a choice between working in the world and working in society and working in a church that's keeping men and women, boys and girls out of hell, you better get your priorities straight. I told you before, I'm probably going to step on some toes. But I believe this is right out of Scripture, and I don't apologize for it. If we have to beg the born-again people, the Christian people, to get your priorities straight, what's God looking at? We have needs in this church that need to be filled. We have places to serve that we can't get served. We have classes that need an assistant in those classes. On and on we can go. The nursery Needs people in there. And we have to beg and ask and beg and plead to get them to do that. If that's your position, be careful. God can burn your barley field. If we have to beg the born-again people to work in the church, how in the world are we ever going to influence anybody for God outside this church? To make a commitment to God, to work in the Sunday school, to sing in the music ministry. Why did God give you that voice? To use it. Why did God allow you the talent to use it? To use it in the church. To make our church greater. To help the music to be, to draw people. To fill people with the harmony of the songs and so forth. God gave you that voice for a reason. God gave you that talent to teach for a reason. God gave you that ability to reach boys and girls, perhaps, for a reason. To use it, not necessarily at the ball field, but at the local church. Now, again, let me say, I've got nothing against Little League Baseball. I love it. My boys grew up playing it. A few years ago when I was a child, I grew up playing it. It wasn't that long ago. But... But we can find time to go to ball. It's going to rain outside. We can find time to go to all the ball games, participate in every activity the school puts on, but we can't find time to come to church to worship God on Sunday mornings because we don't feel like getting up and going, oh, but I was late. I was late coming in last night. Is that God's fault? That you stayed out too late? You can ask people, come to church for one hour on Sunday mornings. Oh, but I just, I just can't do that. But then you ask them, 
If they're a Christian, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. God save my soul. There's a good Greek word for that called hogwash. Don't blame God for your lack of service. When God called you, if he really called you, you're called to serve. Your place is to serve through a local church. I'm not saying this is the only church you can serve in. I think it's the best one to serve in, but that's my opinion. But God says, find a church and get involved in it. Wherever it is, wherever you live, get involved in it. Don't just attend once a week, I mean once a month. Let me tell you something. If God really saved your soul and you can't find time for Him except for about once or twice a month, let me tell you something. If you have time to play tennis, you have time to attend every event the school offers, and you have time for every meeting that's offered, but you don't have time to show up for Sunday morning worship service to worship the God that you proclaim that you love, your priority is in the wrong place, period. I believe that God is going to burn your barley fields to get your attention if he has to. But he's given you as many opportunities as he can for service unoffered. Some people say, well, I just don't believe that God's going to do that. If God would allow his own servant Saul to be slain and his own people, the Jews, to be put into captivity, I've just got a funny suspicion he'd allow you to go through some challenges too. You wonder why sometimes we have so many problems in our life? Let's look at our spiritual life if we claim to be a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it doesn't apply to you. You just do what you want to. It doesn't matter. Remember, your barley fields the most precious thing in your life, whatever that is to you. I remember years ago, probably 15 years ago now, one of our Southern Baptist conferences I went to, and this man stood up, and I want to share with you his testimony. He said, from the platform like this, this is a big auditorium, probably hundreds and hundreds of people, probably close to a thousand people there. Here's what he said. I got a copy of this, by the way, from him. So. First of all, I was a Christian and a carpenter. And I came to be a contractor in the area of Dallas, North Dallas, which was booming at the time. This was about 15 years ago. It was growing rapidly. I began to make a lot of money. In fact, I began to make in the six figures. That enabled me to help our church by giving more. It seemed like the more I did, the more God blessed me. I didn't know someone could make so much money in a period of time. We bought a beautiful new house. We bought a camping trailer to spend time at the lake and enjoy the things that God's given us, the blessings He had for us. I bought myself a boat to enjoy. We had water skis so we could go out as a family and spend time on the lake. We'd leave right after I got off on Fridays and spend all day Saturday camping by the lake and would get up and return for Sunday school and church the next morning before church started. Then we started spending Sunday afternoons out at the lake enjoying the things that God blessed us with. Then I said to my wife, Honey, if we didn't have to go to church on Sunday nights, we could spend more time enjoying the blessings that we've got. Then we slowly started missing Sunday mornings to enjoy our boat, skiing more, enjoying the lake, 
And pretty soon I wanted that money that I had been giving to the church to buy more toys to play at with the lake and our friends. But then he stood at that platform, and here's what he said to the crowd gathered there. He said, but let me tell you something. I've lost my health. I've lost my wealth. I've lost my family. He said, I've even lost my business. He said, I've totally lost everything that I thought were blessings that God gave me. But I quit doing the one thing that I should have done. I wasn't being a Christian the way I should have been. He went on to say, I've come back to the church. I've come back to God. I'm now teaching a Sunday school class for boys. But, folks, what that man was saying was that God had burned his barley field. And don't think for a moment, if God has to, to get your attention, he won't burn yours. Whatever that is in your life. God burned his barley field to get attention, to get his attention. And I truly believe there are people here today that if you're not careful, God's going to burn your barley field. You say, what does that mean? I don't know what it means to you. What do you treasure the most? What do you care about the most? Well, that's my family. God knows how to get your family out of the way so you have plenty of time to come to church. You say, that's cruel. No, God's that serious about it. God knows how to burn your barley field. Oh, Norm, you don't just—you really don't think that's going to happen, do you? God won't do that. You don't understand. This time of year is our busy season. We have to spend time at the nursery. I remember we served at a church in Paris, Texas. It's been 30 years ago now. And we had this young couple. They owned a nursery there in town. And just what was said, every spring... This couple would come in, sit in my office, and say, well, I'm sorry, but we've got to give up our Sunday school class. This is our busy time of the year, and we've just got to be at that place on Sunday, and we just got to do that. Every year, we were there for four years, every year the same thing. Good people. Good Christian people, when they wanted to be. A few years ago, we were back in Paris, Texas, visiting some friends. What I was doing there, I don't remember what it was now. We went to a restaurant to eat, my family, and over there was this couple. No, let me back up a minute. Over there was the man. And I walked over to him and said, Marty, good to see you. Man, we, we embraced and shook hands. Good to see the guy. I hadn't seen him in probably 25 years at the time. I said, how's everything going? He says, how's your family? He says, oh, you haven't heard? I said, no. He said, my wife and I divorced. My kids went off. I don't even see them anymore. You know what he was saying? God burned my barley field. He said, that's not going to happen to us. Don't kid yourself. If he needs to get your attention and you won't listen, he can get your attention. He said, well, that's cruel. No, that's God speaking to us. And he expects us to hear him when he speaks. The second thing we see, how that God will burn your barley field, also is in the area of secret sins unconfessed. Told you I was going to step on some toes. <laughs> now, I'm not pointing out anybody, but let me tell you something. One day, a skeleton's going to jump out of your closet. It's going to be embarrassing. You say, well, Christians don't do that. Oh, don't kid yourself. <laughs> I would safely say that most of us in the room have some secret sin buried deep within us that we don't want to let out. 
and God will burn your barley fields because of secret sins. Years ago, we had a, when we was down in Fort Worth, had a good friend. There was a group of us that ran together. And I'll never forget the name of this guy. His name was Dale, a good friend of ours. We went to eat many times, him and his wife and so forth. And it, uh, One day it came out that he had been having an affair with a lady in the church. In fact, she was a piano player. But he hid it, and he hid it, and he hid it. And one day somebody saw him. Judy and I were driving from the mall going home one night, and his car passed us. And Judy said, there's Dale and uh, uh, Beverly, Dorothy, Dale and Dorothy. So let's catch up with them and go to, now, let me tell you about my wife, first of all. She can't pass a bronze without stopping. I know there's not many down here, but at Fort Worth there are. And so we caught up, we're going to pass, hey, let's stop at Brahms and eat ice cream. And it was Dale, but it wasn't his wife. And then I started having friends of mine come and says, oh, yeah, he does that all the time. He was a deacon in the church. He was a Sunday school teacher. The lady he had was the piano player. The lady that he was having the affair with was the piano player. The sins jumped out of the closet, and it got him. Now, he has since come back to the church, and I think, from what I understand, I haven't seen him in years, but is doing a lot better. But be careful with unconfessed sins in your life. God has a way of saying, well, open that closet door. I'm fixing to let it out. And all of a sudden, it can be embarrassing. It can be humiliating. And all because we didn't stop doing that sin. I remember Dale one time was out to eat with several people, and he made this comment. I'm going to get to the point where I have gold just dripping off of me. I mean, he wore bracelets. He wore rings. He had every, I mean, he was doing good for a while. And then it came out that he'd been stealing from the company he worked. And that's how he got his gold. He lost his job. He almost lost his family. I don't think he ever did, but he almost lost his family. He lost many friends. He lost a position in the church. I mean, he was a servant in the church. You say, well, that won't happen to me. Don't kid yourself. That's why God tells us we need to confess our sins on a daily basis. Every one of them. When David in the Old Testament, remember God himself said, here is a man after my own heart. But go back and look at David's story. David tried to hide sins. If David wouldn't let... If God wouldn't let David hide his sins, do you think he's going to let you? I mean, now David's a pretty important character in the Bible. But David had a lot of sins. But my point is, if he wouldn't let this one that he says is a man after my own heart get away with secret sins, I've got a funny suspicion he's not going to let you all. One day it's going to come out, and it's going to be embarrassing, and it may even destroy things in your life. God won't let a child of God get by with secret sins. God will expose you. God will embarrass you. He'll say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this, you know, I'm, I, I'm getting away with mine. And God says, no, you're not. And God will burn your barley fill over. Listen to Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But he who, he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. God is going to burn your barley field over secret sins if you don't be careful.
That's not me saying that's God saying that. The third thing we see, and I know this is where the toes get stepped on, stewardship unoffered. I can hear voices right now. I knew it was going to get around to money before long. That's the Baptist dogma right there. But listen, the Bible teaches that God will burn your barley field in the area of stewardship unoffered. You see, you will tithe to God. I didn't say you might. I said you will if you're a child of God. You say, I don't believe in tithing. It really doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. It's biblical. In fact, it's scriptural. You say, well, that's the Old Testament law. We don't live under the Old Testament. Let me show I challenge you to show me where it says that tithing is of the law. The Bible says it's before the law. It's during the law. It's after the law. The law never was over tithing. It never happened. The law is so you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The law is put there so that we can have the blessings that God desires to give us. But he asks us one thing. He says, I need 10% from you. Well, I don't have 10% to give. Yeah, we do. We have money to buy cable TV and movies and everything else. But when it comes to God, well, I just can't give it this week. I remember a young couple coming to my office several years ago. It wasn't while I was here. Sat down in front of me and I was wanting to get married. We got to talking about it and I said something about tithing and you need to join a church and be involved and tithe and so forth. And, oh, we just can't tithe. I said, what do you mean you can't tithe? Well, we just we have too many expenses. And I don't remember what I said, but it's probably a little cocky, to be honest with you. But I said something like, well, if you'd quit spending all the stuff you don't need and start giving to the one that does, you do need, it'd probably help your life a whole lot. And they got mad at me, and I didn't do the wedding. But that, that's fine. I really didn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> but it's tithing is of God, folks. Go back and read Malachi. You know what God says? If Christians are not tithing, you know what he calls you? You're a God robber. That's not my words. Go look it up, the little book of Malachi. God says if you're not giving 10%, you're robbing God. I don't know about you, but I'd rather rob from y'all than I would God. I don't know how you feel about it, but the first thing I want to do when I get paid is make out that check because that's not my money. That goes back to God himself. You will tithe. You've got to be honest with God in this area of your tithe because God is not going to help you until you do. The Bible says that God will not even answer your prayers until you get that one little area right in your life. Well, I don't believe that. Go look it up. God says you're robbing God. You say, well, I just don't believe God's going to do that. Let me tell you a story. You know, in the Old Testament, God told Israel to plant crops. Everybody know that? He said, go plant crops. But here's what he said. He said, I want you to plant for six years, but on the seventh year, let the ground rest. Don't plant any crops on the seventh year. So six years, they planted, they had a good crop. Seventh year, they didn't plant any. You know what Israel did? They ignored God's command. 
You know how long God, how long Israel ignored God's plan? How long they had kept planning on the seventh year because of their greed? God said, plant six years, harvest that. Then on the seventh year, let the ground rest. Then you can come back and plant that again next year. They did that for 490 years. They planted on God's year. He said, don't plant. They took God's tithe. That was a tenth. That was it. Just like some people today take God's tithe. Let me ask you something. God wanted one out of seven years. They disobeyed God for 490 years. Seven into 490 is what? Seventy? Everybody agree? Is my math right? I'm, I'm checking. I'm trying to get verification. God got his tithe. You know what happened? How long were the children of Israel in captivity? Seventy years. See, you will tithe. God's going to get it one way or the other. Wouldn't it be much better to write that check out every Sunday, every month when you get paid, whatever it is, than to steal from God for 490 years? God always gets his part. God always reserves something for himself. Why did God put the tree in the Garden of Eden and tell them not to touch it? Don't eat of it. I don't know. But God always, if you check it, reserves something for himself, and the tithe belongs to God, folks. Whether he ever gets it or not is still his. I believe with every ounce of my being, if you don't tithe, God is going to burn or can burn your barley field. And the most precious thing in your life is going to be gone, whatever that is in your mind. And then last of all, God will burn your barley field in this area. Salvation unclaimed. If you live in the area of salvation unclaimed, in other words, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, God's going to burn your body field. God says, my spirit will not always strive with you. Then later God says, call upon the name of the Lord while he may be found. There are some of you here today who have heard just about every sermon I've preached it. Just last week, I've been here for four years. I've had to put up with all for four years. I keep asking, God, what did I do? I mean, how did I get here? Do what? I'm sorry. My body. Yeah, that's my body. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. But some of you have heard 95% of every message I've ever preached since I've been here. And I know I've tried to throw in a salvation message every once in a while because I think it's important. It doesn't matter what the subject is. I always want to go back at the end to get it back to God. And God always has an invitation for you if you're here today. Do not know Jesus your Savior. God's got an invitation for you. In just a few minutes, you'll experience that invitation. God may be speaking to you. God may be saying, you need to give your life to Christ and become a Christian. You may need to join this church. You may need, there may be many things that go on. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's even going to ask you. But if God's speaking to you, He wants your attention. And folks, God wants to get your attention. If He has to, He'll burn your body filled. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And folks, if you walk away from here today with that secret sin, 
If you walk away from here with that money that belongs to God, if you walk away from here knowing that there's a class of little boys that you ought to be teaching and you know you ought to be teaching it, I'm amazed at what people say. Well, we're just going to sit for a while and just sit out for a little bit. What if God were to sit out on you next week? You wouldn't like that a bit. What if he were to withhold his grace from you for a while? What if he withheld the sunshine and the rain that we enjoy? Well, maybe not the rain so much right now, but the sunshine anyway. It's time to get busy for God. Remember, God, if God is convinced the only way he can get your attention is he can bar- burn your barley field. He will do it. That thing is most precious to you. Don't let that happen. Turn your life over. Maybe you just need to get back to God. I don't know what you need in your life. But you do. And if God's speaking to him, right after we have a prayer in just a moment, step out. Our deacons will be here to talk to you, to help you in the way they can, pray with you, whatever it may be. But don't leave this building without him. There's no guarantee you'll be back next week. God could burn your barley field. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us as we come to close this service. Lord, you know each one that stands here. You know their heart. You know their motives. And you you know their concerns. Lord, don't let them walk out of these doors without knowing Jesus as their personal Savior. Lord, the cost is too great. Lord, all we have to do is ask for God to come into our lives, and He'll do that. Lord, if there be anybody in this, church, in this room that does not know you, let that be the first move. But Lord, also, perhaps there's somebody that's looking for a church home, and they say, well, this is where I want to serve. And let them step out and make it public and say, I want to be a part of this church, but I want to be a working part of it. Maybe there's some that just need to bow at these steps and just pray, Lord, I've got away from you. I've lost my way. I need to come back. Whatever you're here for today, would you step out this morning? Not for us. We're not going to try to talk you into joining this church. That's not the point. You're welcome to, we'll help you find a church if you need it. But Lord, speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray.